20 years ago, 1999, I got saved. Um, and I'll try not to cry as well. <laughs> uh, as a 15-year-old boy, I got saved. Uh, many of you know, um, all of you that, that I knew when we were here uh, know, my dad is Jewish, my mom is not, okay? And so when I got saved as a 15-year-old boy, my mom was saved, okay? My dad was not. And I started to realize what the Bible t teaches about the Jewish people. And when I got saved, I instantly realized not only was, was, was I saved, but I realized all of the people that were not. And specifically, uh, in my heart and mind was the people closest to me, my, my, my relatives, my friends, um, that weren't saved. And so my dad's a truck driver, and I would go with him on the road um, every single summer. And so I went with him. I got saved in the summer, and I would go with him on the road, and it was like a week after being saved, two weeks maybe after being saved, I went with him on the road. And I knew that he was lost. And, and, and when I started reading the Bible after getting saved, it's, it's different. I mean, if you remember what that's like, reading the Bible before you got saved, before you accepted Christ as your Savior, and then after being saved, being born again, having the Spirit of God within you to help you understand this book, I mean, it was no longer like an upside-down Spanish instruction book to me. It was, it was English. And it was, it was to me. It was written to me. And so not only did I see all those things jump off the page, but I instantly started seeing stuff about the Jewish people, which most people probably normally wouldn't have those things, those aspects jump off the page at them. But because I was thinking about my dad, and he's Jewish, what does that mean? What does the scripture teach about the Jewish people? All of a sudden, all of these things, not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, things jumping off the page at me about the Jewish people. So I went with him. And I gave him my testimony. I told him that I had gotten saved. I, I told him about John chapter 3 when Jesus talked to Nicodemus. And Jesus said, for God so loved the world, okay, the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that verse, God so loved the world, was said to a, a Jewish person named Nicodemus. So to put it all in perspective, how the Lord works through those things. And I told my dad about how Jesus told Nicodemus, ye must be born again. And you cannot see the kingdom of God except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. And my dad says, that's supposed to happen to me. I, I gave my whole testimony, everything that happened, John chapter 3. He says, is that supposed to happen to me? And I said, Dad, that's supposed to happen to you more than it's supposed to happen to me. And so I described to him those things, and, and it was kind of a, a culture shock for my dad, um, for me to be telling him all of this stuff. And he listened, he humored me about it. Uh, at one point, he said, you know, there's something different about you. I can't put my finger on it. There's something different about you. And I said, Dad, that's what I've been talking about, being born again, having the Spirit of God within, um, being saved. And he said, no, it's something else. And he just, he wouldn't, he wouldn't uh, agree that it was, it was the Lord. Um, at one point, early on there, he said, if anybody pushes the Bible on me, I I'm going to punch him in the face. And so that was my introduction to, to witnessing to a family member. <laughs> Um, he also said, and if you're not aware of this tradition, he also said at one point, he said, um, you better be glad that we're not Orthodox because if you were, you'd be dead to me. You know, the Orthodox do that. They'll actually have a funeral for their family members who accept Christ. They'll have a funeral. They'll like bury a casket and that person will literally be dead to them 
uh, for all intents and purposes. And so my dad said, you better be glad we're not Orthodox because you'd be dead to me. And then he said, you know, we're not. Don't get me wrong, we're not. We're not going to disown you. We're not going to, you know, have a funeral or anything. But, but nevertheless, I mean, to a 15, 16-year-old boy, when your dad tells you, you know, you better, you better be in your place, son, because if we were Orthodox, you'd be dead to me. And so nevertheless, it was said. Um, throughout the years, I'd, I'd witnessed to my dad as often as I had opportunity. And if you have an unsaved family member, take those opportunities. You don't know how long you have. So when I was in college at PCC, where I met Lois, this was before I met Lois, so I was like a junior, I think. My dad came down, and as he's a truck driver, he ended up being near the area, so he said I could stop by. And so he stopped by, and if you've ever had an unsafe family member come to church, where they're basically forced to come to church, like maybe it's a family get-together or some kind of thing where they're staying with you, and they're basically forced to come to church, you know what your mind is, is, is thinking and what your heart is praying Lord, please let it be a, a gospel message, an evangelistic message. Get a hold of that person's heart. And so my dad came to PCC, and we went to the service together in that big old $81 million crown center, 6,000-seat auditorium. And Pastor Shetler, he gave the message, and he gave the gospel from the Old Testament, which is something that if you know of Jewish ministry, Jewish people, they don't want to hear anything from the New Testament. They don't believe that that's the word of God. They don't believe that that's even... A, you know, a reliable source. Uh, to them, that's the Gentile Bible. That's the Catholic Bible. They don't want to hear it. So in order to reach them with the gospel, you got to show them from the Old Testament. Well, the pastor gave the message, and it was an evangelistic message showing the gospel from the Old Testament and that Jesus was the Messiah. And during the invitation, my dad grabbed my hand, and you could cut the tension with a knife. I mean, it was just the conviction was so heavy, I could tell my dad was burdened, but he didn't, he didn't move. He didn't go forward. Uh, fast forward a couple years, that was probably about 2000 and, boy, I'm not sure, 2003 maybe, 2004. 2015, they're having a revival at the church we were at in Cleveland, and my dad came, and once again, there's an invitation. And I could tell so greatly that the Lord was speaking to my dad, but my dad was just resistant against it. And so I went forward to pray, and like many times before, he had seen me go forward. He's still in the pew. He sees me go forward, and he sees me weeping there at the altar, and he has to know that it's for him. And then Lois came, and she joined me, and, and, and then after, you know, the invitation, my dad could tell that I was emotionally disturbed, you know, and he said, are you okay? And I just said, no, I'm not okay. And I tried to tell him, why, or ask him, plead with him, why won't you accept Jesus as your Savior? And so that day, and that was 2015, that was probably close to the last time that I was here because we were, I guess, getting ready to go down, I think the last time that we were here giving an update, about four years ago. And so Lois and I talked to him and pleaded with him and begged him and asked him, and, and, and he ended up saying a couple different things. He said that he intellectually understood that Jesus was the Messiah. He could, he could see that Jesus fulfilled those things, but he was not ready to trust him as his Savior at that point. Um, he also said that um, if he does make a profession of faith, he wants it to be genuine. He wants it to be real. He doesn't want it to be somebody else, you know, appeasing Dan, basically. He didn't want it to be false, which I think is a good thing. I was both encouraged and discouraged at the same time, but... You know, knowing that my dad was serious about this, 
um, made, me, made me happy. And that was 2015. Now, you mentioned Trent's accident, and that reminded me of something else that happened um, probably about two months ago, maybe. I got a phone call from my dad, and he said, Mom's okay, but, you know, I just want to tell you, first off, she's okay, and you know that something crazy has happened. So she was driving on the freeway with my brother in a Buick, and they got rear-ended by a semi on the freeway. And the, the car got spun around and hit by the semi again, and spun around and hit by the semi again. It got hit three times by this semi barreling down the freeway at probably 70 miles an hour. And they were fine. My, bro my brother and my mom, they were both fine. The car was totaled, but you know. Then they end up going to the hospital. And if you're like my parents, um, they don't go to the hospital really unless they need to because it's expensive. <laughs> and so, uh, but they had to go to get checked out. And the doctors checked my mom. They did some tests, some blood tests, other stuff, you know, just regular um, everyday procedures regarding those things. And they told my mom that her potassium level and her magnesium level were dangerously low, like fatally low. They said you could either, like at any moment, be paralyzed or, or have a stroke and, and, and die. Like it was really, really, really bad. They also found out that her lung was half collapsed. Um, anyway, so basically, they gave her the treatment that she needed. But this car accident on the freeway basically saved her life. Um, and my dad realized that. So he's starting to think about these things. Um, how many of you have heard of One for Israel? Anybody heard of One for Israel? Have you ever seen a testimony, a Jewish person giving their salvation testimony on like Facebook or something? It's probably One for Israel. Anyway, um, we started our radio station in 2017, and I'm going to talk a lot about that, or I'm not going to, I'm going to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it on the video at the end, okay? Give you an update about all those things. Um, but our radio station is geared 100% towards an unsaved Jewish person, and my dad, I believe, is our, our biggest listener, okay? He'll call me just out of nowhere and be like, your radio's skipping, or, you know, it's down right now because he's constantly listening to it. Anyway, we have some of these Jewish testimonies of salvation from one for Israel on our radio station. With their permission, I talked to the guy in Israel that puts them together. Um, and my dad texted me this video from one for Israel. It was like a 50-something minute video. And it was entitled, Three Reasons Why Jewish People Don't Believe Jesus is the Messiah. And this video, Three Reasons Why Jewish People Don't Believe, is refuting those reasons as being inadequate, false, you know, um, not true. My dad sent me this video, and we watched it. And then I called my dad, and I talked to him for like 45 minutes. And he said in his own words, and I, again, pleading with him to get saved. Um, and he said in his own words that he was between knowledge and faith, once again. Um, and I said, well, Dad, you can pray. And God will hear it if you pray and you ask him to help you to understand, help you to have faith in Jesus. I mean, that's the prayer that God will hear from a sinner is, you know, Lord, help me to believe, help me understand. Um, so my parents came down to North Carolina last month, okay? This was October, middle of October, they came down. And my dad's sitting there at, at his laptop, and he's doing this stock thing. Do any of you guys? I, I don't want to ask. Okay, so <laughs> he does this thing with, like, stock robots and algorithms and all kinds of crazy stuff. And he's trying to show me all this stuff. It's not real stocks. It's fake stocks. It's virtual money. But I tried to explain to him. I said, Dad, 
hypothetical situation, you have like $25,000, okay, that you, or no, you have $1,000 that you invest in some, you know, robot stock or whatever, and overnight, it multiplies to $25,000. And you know based on the news and stuff that's going on in the world that you better sell that or it's going to, you know, go away. How stupid would you be to sit on that money when you knew that something was going to happen that would cause it to, to go away? I'm trying to explain to my dad faith, acting uh, by faith, taking action by something that you have faith is going to happen. And so while I'm talking to him, it was really strange. Normally, he gets kind of defensive. Normally, he gets to where he tries to change the subject. Normally, it's very awkward and very tense. But he's just sitting there, and he's just playing games with me, basically. Because uh, he knew what I was getting at. And he said, well, no, if you had 25, you know, and he's saying, what stock is it in, you know, all this other stuff. And I said, I'm not talking about money, Dad. I'm talking about faith. And I said, are, are, you, are you ready to take that step of faith yet? And he said, he got real quiet. And he does that. He, he gets real quiet when he's serious, which isn't very often. And real calculated in his, in his uh, what he says. He, he looks at his hands. And then he looks up at me and he says, well, he says, well, wait till your mom gets up from her nap, and then we'll talk about that. And so my mom was taking a nap, and we were going to have dinner. And so I'm getting stuff ready for dinner. And my mom gets up from her nap. She comes sit down at the dinner table. I'm getting dinner all ready. And my dad looks over at me, and he says, he says, are all your kids saved? And just for my dad to say that, like my mom's looking at me like, Am I going insane that he just asked you that, you know? And so he asks, are all your kids saved? And I said, I said, yeah. I said, as far as we know, I mean, only God knows. But I said, I said all of our kids have made a profession of faith, and we believe that it's genuine as far as we can tell, that they've accepted Jesus as their Savior. And then he looks at Seth, and he says, what am I supposed to say? He says, what, what, what am I supposed to say to do this, you know? And so uh, Evan chimed in, and he says, you need to accept Jesus as your Christ. And, uh, and, and, and Lois and I are helping. We're all talking about this, and we're, you know, ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to be your Savior. And as we're saying this, my dad is praying to receive Jesus as his Savior. Amen. And so October 14th, he got saved. And he's been different. He's been different ever since. Um, he's always wanting to be in church. Um, he said, just that day, that night, he said, if, if church was open, I would, I would go there every day. And uh, so pray for him. He's a baby. He's a 66-year-old baby Christian. Um, but uh, just wanted to share that with you in person. <laughs> and thank you for praying. Because each and every one of you, okay, in your giving to us to be able to be there and to live and do our ministry, and in your prayers for us in our ministry and for my dad, you have a very, very, very real part in my dad accepting Jesus. And so thank you. Um, okay, let's get into the message here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'd like to preach to you a message this morning uh, called, uh, entitled, By All Means. By All Means. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23. Let's look at that this morning. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. 
It says, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. Paul talking about his ministry and his outlook on ministry and reaching people. Verse 20, and unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law. Being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Let's ask the Lord to help us uh, this morning as we look into this, this message. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity. I thank you for dear friends, Lord, brothers and sisters in Christ uh, that we have here in this room. And uh, I just, I feel like I'm speaking to my own family here. And I thank you so much for the opportunity to, to be here today. I thank you for Pastor Isaacson and, and uh, the others that are here, Lord, serving and uh, giving their lives, Lord, for this ministry and, and reaching this area and around the world, Lord, truly. Uh, with their giving and their prayers. And we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, take this opportunity to speak to our hearts and our lives and our minds and our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word this morning, but that we would be doers. Help us to apply what we hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, turn back, if you will, to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. We're going to take the passage that we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to kind of use that as an outline uh, for the message this morning. And before we get into the meat of the message, I wanted to make uh, a couple of announcements that I, I kind of need to do. I don't want to forget to talk about these things. We have our ministries magazine, okay, in the back there, and all of these, any printed material on our table is free for the taking. The magazine you can sign up if you would like for a one-year free subscription, and that sign-up sheet is over there. It comes out four times a year. We'll just send you four free issues. There's no credit card numbers or telemarketers or anything like that bothering you. It's just four free issues, and that's it. That's out there. We have our radio cards for our radio ministry, and I'll talk about those in the video. Those are there as well, free for the taking. Gospel tracts for a Jewish person as well. Please take our prayer card. This is a new updated prayer card. Talks about uh, what we're doing right now in our ministry, as well as our, our current contact information. And then our Israel Ministry Center. We purchased a house, our ministry purchased a house in Galilee. It's about two miles as the crow flies from the Sea of Galilee. And we're using it for a hub for short-term mission trips, okay, ministry trips. Uh, for a, a small group, like 12 to 14 people. And so this is something that we're not putting online. We're not putting it on Facebook, although we had a giving thing a while back. But we're, by and large, keeping it off of the Internet because we can get into trouble with the Israeli authorities because we're using this as a hub for evangelism. Okay, And we have to keep our evangelism efforts low-key uh, and those kind of things. So, But pick up one of these if you might be interested. It's cheaper than our normal tour because we're staying in our Israel Ministry Center house there on Galilee. And uh, you can look up the details about that there. 
Okay, so we have becoming as a Jew. Becoming as a Jew, and then we're going to look at becoming as without law, Gentiles. How did Paul reach these people? He talks about, I became as a Jew that I may win the Jews. I became as without law, meaning a Greek or a Gentile, that I may win the Gentiles. By all means, uh, that I may save some. And so here in Acts chapter 13, becoming as a Jew, we see an example in Acts chapter 13. Look at verse number 16. Acts chapter 13, verse 16. Then Paul stood up, and this is in Antioch. He stood up, beckoning with his hand, and said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with an high arm brought them out of it. And so the first thing that we see, we're going to see a, a methodology here in what Paul did and how he reached these people. We're going to go through some of these things in kind of a summary fashion for time's sake, but I want to hit the main points. When you're going to talk to a Jewish person about the gospel, the first point that I have here in using this passage as kind of like a, a, a sub-outline, if you will, for becoming as a Jew, the first thing is to start with God. Start with God. In verse 17 of Acts chapter 13, the God of this people Israel. So that's where Paul starts. He starts with the God of Israel, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of the Torah, the first five books, the God of the Tanakh, as it's called, the, the, the Old Testament. That's the Hebrew word for the Old Testament, Tanakh. Start with God. Um, you know, today, <clears throat> you'll find out if you start with God, basically, a good method, and I don't talk about this in the video, so I'll, I'll mention it now. A good method with anybody, whether they're Jewish or Gentile, really, believe it or not, is asking questions. Asking questions. What do I mean by that? Well, <clears throat> if you meet a Jewish person in the deli, like I was doing in Cleveland uh, or elsewhere, um, or if you run across one at work, you can ask them, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about God? If you ask them a question, they're going to tell you their opinion. They're going to love to tell you their opinion. That's a, that's a compliment to them. You ask me, sure, I'll, I'll give you my opinion. But that's doing a number of different things. You're finding out what they believe. Because if they say, I, I don't believe that there is a God. You know, a lot of Jewish people are atheistic or agnostic, meaning they're kind of like, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, kind of a thing. How are you going to know if they're an atheist unless you ask? Okay, so what do you believe about God? If they say, well, I believe the God of Israel, I believe the God of the Bible, or they might say the God of the Torah, the God of Moses, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I believe in him. They might not say the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? They're not going to say that. Uh, lots of times they'll believe that you and I believe in three gods instead of one. And we have a pamphlet out there called One God or Three uh, that deals with that very thing. But they're going to believe in, uh, if they believe in God, uh, the God of the Old Testament, okay? So you're finding out what they believe. You're knowing where you should go from there because if they say, I don't believe that God exists, you're going to reach them differently than if they say, I believe in the 39 books of the Old Testament. They wouldn't say it that way, but you know what I mean. If they say, I believe in God and, and I believe that the Old Testament is God's word, you're going to reach them differently in the, what you would say than if they say, I don't believe that God exists. You have to reach them where they're at and meet them there. And so you're finding out what they believe, you're complimenting them, and then thirdly, it kind of obligates them, it obliges them, if they're going to be polite, 
to respond by saying, well, they might be nervous to do this, but what do you believe about God? You know, in response. It's the polite thing to do. So asking questions helps. Start with God. Many Jews are atheistic or agnostic. I knew a guy in Cleveland named Yuri. And Yuri, he was born in Israel, raised in Tashkent, Uzbekistan. He spoke Russian. Then he moved to Cleveland like 40 years ago. And he believed in this ancient aliens stuff. Okay, If you've seen the History Channel at all, it's like... It seems like every other show, or yeah, they talk about it all the time, ancient aliens. And so when he reads in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, in Genesis, Elohim, in the beginning, Elohim, God, created the heavens and the earth, he would say, well, that's, that's the gods. That's the ancient aliens, the, the Nibiru, as he called them, or the Anunnakis. They had all these weird names for all these people. Um, and it's a cult, and it's a false religion. And so I was there in Cleveland having to tell a Jewish man about the one true God that created everything. And I felt like I was in good company because that's exactly what the prophets had to do because Israel was so idolatrous and all of these different gods. You might have to do that with a Jewish person. So start with God. Secondly, connect with them in their culture. Connect with them as a Jewish person, dealing with their culture. Now, you might say, I don't have a, I don't have a Jewish hair on my head. That might be easier for you, some of us, than others. Okay. You might say, I, I don't know anything about the Jewish people at all. I'm at a disadvantage. No, you're not. If you know nothing about the Jewish people, play that card. Be like, hey, tell me. What do Jewish people believe about the Messiah? What do Jewish people believe about the scripture? What is this thing that you're doing with, with Purim? Talking about Esther and you're dressing up like Halloween characters. You know? uh, what is the deal with all of this stuff? You can use the famous uh, Jerry Seinfeld phrase, you know, what's, what's the deal with, with this or that? Uh, Jewish thing, and they'll tell you, and you'll know how you can respond from there. But connect with them in the culture. Look at verse uh, 20. Uh, let's look at, uh, pick up verse 17. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. Okay, the history and culture of the Jewish people being in Egypt uh, with a high arm brought them out of it. And about time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan. He divided their land to them by lot. And so Paul is going to give them the gospel, but before he does, he's going through the history of the nation of Israel. Verse 21, afterward they desired a king after they came out of Israel, and God gave unto them Saul, uh, the son of Sis, or Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, removed Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave this testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which will fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God, see how he segues there? Hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. So connect with them where they're at in their culture. Don't try and reach them in a Western, Gentile, American mindset. If somebody is a missionary, like um, the kids are going to be doing, uh, going to Africa, okay, reaching the people there, they're not pushing upon the African people a Western American culture. They're giving them the gospel. They're giving them the Bible. And in the same way, in reaching a Jewish person, we should not seek to Gentilize them or make them, you know, stressing the Western American mindset, but stressing the gospel, stressing what the Bible teaches. And so what Paul does here, he's talking to his brethren, and he goes through the history and culture of Israel. It makes a connection there. 
And then thirdly, and this is where we pick up in verse 23, you need to, after connecting with their culture, you need to continue with the promises of God. The promises of God. Verse 23, he says that there was a promise that God would raise unto Israel a Savior, and he said that this, this Savior has come. This Savior is of the seed of David, and his name is Jesus. And so he brings in the promises of God through the Scripture. The Jewish people are interesting because their culture and their history is inseparable from the Bible. It's inseparable not only from the Bible, but from the God of Israel. The, the, the onset and the origin of the Jewish people is with the God of Israel. And the promises of a coming Messiah are ingrained in their culture and in their scripture. And so there's a number of different promises. And if you take notes, you can write these down. A number of different promises in the Bible, you can use the word prophecies, about the Messiah that you can share with that Jewish person. Isaiah 53 being one of them. And we just went over that in Sunday school. Interesting, you brought up being cleansed, a leper being cleansed. That's what we talked about. Uh, Jesus has the power to cleanse the leper and he has the power to forgive sin. That's something that the Jewish people were looking for, somebody that could cleanse leprosy. Um, interesting. But those passages, Isaiah 53, you can share that with a Jewish person. At one point, I shared it with my dad. Do you remember when I said he was at college with me and we went to that service in Pensacola and my dad didn't go forward in the invitation, even though the, the gospel was given from an Old Testament perspective? That visit, while my dad was with us, I shared with him Isaiah 53. I said, Dad, can I read you something out of the Bible? You don't need to tell him where it's at that you're going to read. Just say, can I read you a Bible passage? And they'll say, okay, maybe. And if they say, okay, you can go ahead and read to them. Uh, you know, he was bruised for our transgressions. He was wounded for our, our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And I read them the whole chapter, and I said, Dad, who does that sound like to you that that's talking about? And he said, well, that's Jesus. Just, that's Jesus. And I said, Dad, that was written 700 years before Jesus was born in, 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 in quote-unquote, your Bible. And so you can share these things with a Jewish person, and if you don't tell them that it is Old Testament, quote-unquote, it will make them not biased against it and help them to see clearly that it is talking about Jesus. Isaiah 53, Zechariah 12 talks about how the Messiah would be pierced. And this is God talking. God says, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Zechariah 12, Psalm 22, they have pierced my hands and my feet. And so all of these things point to Jesus as the Messiah. Micah 5, verse 2, talks about how he would be born in Bethlehem. You know, the Jewish people, they're really not very knowledgeable in their scriptures, believe it or not. And I've talked to a number of people, a number of Christians, who were nervous to talk to a Jew because they felt like they would be inadequate in their knowledge of scripture, specifically the Old Testament. Well, I want you to realize you don't have to have that fear because the majority of Jewish people out there, even the ultra-religious, okay, the guys with the black hats and the coats and everything, they don't really know their scripture. What they do know is the rabbi's teachings, the rabbinical writings. And if you want to know how to reach a Jewish person with the gospel, like the easiest kind of way, the simplest way that I can explain it is imagine reaching a Catholic person. It's very, very similar, ironically, because they're kind of like diametrically opposed to each other, but reaching them is pretty much the same because those people, either Catholic or Jewish, they prefer the teachings of the rabbi or the priest above that of scripture. They don't really know their Bibles at all, 
and they would probably only darken the doorstep of a church or a synagogue on quote-unquote high holy days. You ever hear of a Christer Christian? Okay, Christmas and Easter. Uh, the Jewish people, they have their version of that um, that only go to the synagogue on the high holy days, meaning Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, which just happened uh, in September, end of September, early October. And so those are things that you, know, you don't need to be afraid to share with a Jewish person. Um, and if they did know their scriptures, they would realize that they've missed their Messiah, that Jesus has uh, fulfilled those things. Um, and then look at verse 24. After Paul mentions Jesus, okay, our fourth point is we need to show them how these prophecies are fulfilled in Jesus. Show them how the prophecies are fulfilled in Jesus. Verse 23 of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance unto all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he. But behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. Um, skipping on down, he talks about in verse 27, the prophets, the voices of the prophets, um, that Jesus has fulfilled those things. Um, verse 29, when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, talking about the crucifixion, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher, but God raised him from the dead. And so all of these things, you can show to them the prophecies, the promises, the things that were supposed to happen to the Messiah, and then you can show them how Jesus fulfills those things. I asked my dad, uh, I asked my dad after he accepted the Lord, I said, what was it that really kind of got you to change your viewpoint on Jesus and the Bible and Christianity? As he said, well, when I first met your mom, he said, I thought that Christianity was a cult. He said, I thought it was a, a, a huge cult, okay? And he said that as time went on and you showed me these things, and I heard these Jewish people talking about their faith and so on, he said, I began to realize how Jewish this all is. But before he was told those things, before he was showed those things, his preconceived idea was that this is all not Jewish at all. It's a cult, and it has nothing to do with the Jewish people, the Jewish Bible, the Jewish Messiah, but it's separate. But when he realized that it is, in fact, in its background, entirely Jewish, and seeped in the Jewish scriptures, not the Jewish tradition now, but the Jewish scriptures and the Jewish people, he realized that it's a Jewish thing to trust the Jewish Messiah. And so that's what we need to do. Um, real quickly here, just in a summary fashion, uh, I'm going to, let's skip over to Acts chapter 17, just to kind of show you a quick example, and then we'll show the video. is becoming as without law and reaching the Gentiles. Look at how different it is when Paul is talking to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 17. In verse number 22, he was there at Mars Hill. He stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, "'Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things "'ye are too superstitious. "'For as I passed by, beheld your devotions, "'I found an altar with this inscription "'to the unknown God, "'whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, "'him declare I unto you.'" And so I'm going to give you the points here, just for time's sake, so we can show the video. 
Um, but we need to start with God, okay? That's the same. That's the same whether you're reaching a Jewish person or a Gentile. Paul says, the unknown God, he is the one that I'm declaring unto you. Then we need to connect with them in their culture. Look at verse 23. He's talking about their superstition, their altar that they have there, okay? As a missionary, wherever you're going to go, whether it's crossing borders or crossing cultures, you need to reach the people where they're at in their understanding and be able to tie in the truth of who God is. Show them the truth of who God is, verse 24 uh, through 29, and we're not going to read the whole thing for time's sake, but he talks about God creating everything. And um, then we need to confront them in verse 30 and 31 with the righteousness of God, that this God is righteous and holy. Verse 30, at, this, at times this, of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead. And so he tells these Gentiles in Athens on Mars Hill that Jesus is the one to whom you can have forgiveness from your iniquity and you're accountable to a holy God who created everything. And so Paul says, by all means, I become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. There's nothing wrong with becoming creative in our methods in reaching people, as long as we don't change the message. And so there's been things throughout the centuries that have been done, and more recently things that have been done innovation-wise to reach people, things like bus ministries, things like Sunday school. Did you know there wasn't Sunday school in Jesus' day? Okay, All of these things have been uh, invented or, or, or helped to come about in order to reach people in different areas where they are. Picnic outreaches, uh, passing out John and Romans like bearing precious seed, door-to-door, internet evangelism, reaching people where they're at. There's a passage in Acts that talks about Paul uh, going into the synagogues and into the markets and uh, you know discussing with the people that he would meet daily about the gospel. We need to go where the people are. We need to meet them where they're at. Um, look at verse 16 in Acts 17. Verse 16, this is just prior to what we read about at Mars Hill. Now, when Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. We need to allow ourselves to be stirred up, burdened for people. That's what happened to Paul with the Jews and with the non-Jews. We need to be burdened for all people. And then we must go where the people are. Um, Look at verse 17. This is, this is what I mentioned uh, just previously. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met him. We need to go where the people are. And so some of the ideas, how can we, how can we reach people where they are? Well, there's some different places you can go. The synagogue, the market, things like Instagram, Facebook, podcasts. Okay, this is what we're doing with our smart, uh, our, our, um, our radio ministry, we have a smartphone app as well. We need to reach the people where they're at. Um, in the last year and a half, and this is something that isn't in the video, in the last year and a half, I've sent out uh, or made contact with Jewish people all over the world in the last year and a half on Instagram uh, with over 1,300 Jewish people um, all over the world. And so when we moved to North Carolina, I said, Lord, I would really love to reach more people where you send us, 
um, than where we're going from. You know, we're leaving Cleveland, 85,000 Jewish people. We're going to Raleigh, uh, 30,000 Jewish people. Um, huh, Lord, how am I going to reach more people? Well, God knew. And so people in Israel, Poland, France, Russia, United States, um, Brazil, we're getting them the gospel. We are sending them uh, the gospel in their language, in their context, and uh, right from Raleigh. And so there's some amazing things going on. You can go ahead and start the video.